You are listening to a pleasure podcast. For more from our sex podcast collective, visit pleasurepodcasts.com. Hello, my hand-washing, freaked-out friends. Welcome to American Sex, a podcast dedicated to normalizing conversations about pleasure and alternative sexual expression by challenging those puritanical, backward-ass ideals we have right here in the United States. This is episode 123 of American Sex Podcast, and I'm Sunny Megatron. You'll be hearing from Ken Melvoin-Berg a little bit later in the episode, and don't worry, he's fine. He's just out panic-buying for our family right now. We are both sexuality educators, pleasure advocates, and kinky perverts, too. This week, we're talking to Kate Lurie about managing your mental health and managing lifestyle changes for those involved in alt-sex communities like BDSM, non-monogamy, and sex work during the COVID-19 pandemic. Kate is a sex-positive, licensed marriage and family therapist out of Southern California, and she's got a specialty in non-monogamous, kink, LGBTQ, and sex worker communities. She's been practicing psychotherapy for 16 years, plus she has additional training in EMDR and the trauma resiliency model for the treatment of trauma, such as sexual, physical, or emotional abuse. Kate's been featured in the media quite a bit. You've probably seen her maybe in BuzzFeed videos or heard her on Playboy Radio or many of the podcasts she's been on like Sex Nerd Sandra and right here on American Sex Podcast. She's currently writing her first book on non-monogamy. It's due out for release at the end of this year. And wait, how does Kate know so much about this lifestyle stuff anyway? Well, she's been connected to non-monogamous and kink communities personally in her private life since 2003, so she understands the hurdles, massive emotional growth, and amazing joy these worlds can provide. So, Before I get any further into this episode, I want to throw out some very important caveats. So when Ken was an Air Force medic, he had extensive training in mass casualties, including pandemics. And also, you know, Ken, myself, and Kate, we're all pretty damn smart people. So that means we generally know how to spot news that's sensationalized or downright fake. However, it's still very important to remember We're not epidemiologists, we're not doctors, nor are we experts on COVID-19. Although the tidbits we drop in this episode are mainly garnished from sources like, you know, the CDC or the WHO, do your own research. Also, keep in mind that the things we refer to in this episode are the current facts that experts are telling us as of the 13th of March, 2020, which was the day we recorded this interview. You might be listening to this when things are much, much different. But in the conversation, we made it a point not to focus so much on the statistics and the news headlines, because that's one of the things that's sending us all into a panic spiral in the first place. As you'll hear Kate talk about in our guest conversation, you know, anxious people seek out information, right? But oftentimes, they end up seeking out that information from other anxious people. And that ends up feeding on itself. And you know, that's just no good for anybody. So in this conversation, we almost exclusively focus on what's happening to our mental health during this pandemic and not so much the panicky headlines and statistics. Okay, so with that out of the way, 
I got to tell you, oh my God, this episode is what we all need. For me, not only was it like one of the best therapy sessions I've ever had, Kate gives us practical tips and techniques to deal with your own COVID-19 anxiety, plus what to do if we have loved ones that are having a hard time. She explains what's happening in our brains and in our bodies that's causing our mental health to spiral. You know, many people are having PTSD reactions to this. It's also affecting the mental health of people in alternate sex communities like BDSM, non-monogamy, LGBTQ plus communities, and especially sex workers who are losing lots of business through this. COVID-19 is also impacting our access to sexuality and physical connection, which is something many of us need for comfort comfort, and stability. So this episode is jam-packed with workable solutions for the turmoil that we're all going through right now mentally. Oh, and of course, she answers the burning question, why the hell are we buying so much toilet paper? Well, it turns out, yes, that toilet paper is a soothing psychological symbol for many other things. I found this conversation so validating and so comforting. And it also left me kind of, you know, hey, maybe there's a bright side wondering if all of this social distancing will actually bring us closer together as a community. So we had another episode planned for this week, right? But Ken and I noticed over the last few days leading up to this recording that nobody was really talking about how coronavirus stressors that are unique to sex-positive communities were affecting us or our sexuality and physical connections. So we felt this was a very timely subject. Kate provides such important information, and we wanted to bring it to you very quickly. So I ask you and urge you, if you find some of the things in this episode helpful or healing or reassuring or whatever, please, please, I encourage you to share this episode with your friends. Another reason for you to share is we're freaked the fuck out. Like me and Ken are freaked out. Our income is drying up during this crisis. Like this is really real. And it's not just us. It's lots of gig workers and self-employed people. So worrying about making rent, you know, and keeping the utilities on at this point is a very real concern for us. So sharing our episodes, whether it's this one or others, helps grow our audience, which in turn helps us earn more revenue from our sponsors. It's, it's It has a very real impact for us. So, you know, that's all I'm going to say about this here. But I wrote an article about a lot of this stuff, letting you know not only how you can support us but also other freelancers in your life, no matter who they are. Also, monetary support, like becoming a Patreon supporter, is awesome, but it's not just money. There's lots of things you can do to help your fellow creators that won't cost you a dime. So you can find this article at sunnymegatroncom slash support dash during dash coronavirus. I'm also going to have a link to that in the show notes at americansexpodcast.com for episode 123. In addition, I want you to check those show notes for all kinds of goodies that we've got. During this conversation, Kate gives us a ton of resources, many of which are absolutely free that can help us soothe our bodies and minds during this crisis. So make sure you go check them out. And of course, speaking of Patreon, you know what time it is. It's big welcome and heartfelt appreciation time to the new members of our Patreon family. Our Patreon family has grown. Ta-da! 
I want to give a big, huge welcome and heartfelt appreciation to Adam. He became an American Sex Podcast Patreon supporter this last week. And I have to say, Adam, you have been a supporter of our work in so many ways for such a long time. And we really appreciate your very generous additional support on Patreon. We couldn't do this podcast without you. Thank you from the bottom of our kinky little hearts. And if you're listening and you're curious about Patreon, you can find out more at patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash American sex. Not only does your membership help support this show, you get stuff. It's not just giving us what you get stuff. So you can get bonus stories from our guests, extra full length episodes, which another one's going up this week, by the way, all of our regular episodes early, American sex podcast stickers, a shout out on the podcast, random surprises in the mail, and a bunch more. Plus, during this time of social distancing, we are adding some Patreon only live streams and videos so be on the lookout for that too. So, but if you're like, oh man, I want live streams, but I can't afford it. I get you. I get being broke because, you know, we're there too. We got free ones. Yeah, you're covered. We have a sex ed live stream series on Wednesday nights on the Get Vocal platform. Now, all of our streams are absolutely free to the public. You can find them at bit.ly, that's B-I-T dot L-Y slash Sunny Get Vocal, spelled G-E-T-V-O. KL. So this upcoming Wednesday, the 18th of March at 8 p.m. Pacific. Hey, coronavirus got you down? Can't see your lovers or go to parties? Are you stuck in the house? Well, we're going to be teaching you about apps, programs, techniques, and creative ideas for keeping it sexy, long distance style. Now, this information can be used for ongoing relationships, BDSM scenes, cam performers, online sex workers, and pro doms can use the heck out of this stuff too. You can use it for cyber sex with strangers online or just getting it on with yourself. Although a lot of what we're going to be talking about will be related to kink, these resources aren't just for BDSM. Many of the tools and techniques can be used by folks that are on the vanilla end of the spectrum too. And as always, make sure you stick around to the end of the broadcast for a chance to win a premium pleasure product, meaning we're giving away free sex toys. So get it at bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y slash Sunny Get Vocal. Okay, that was a lot. There's a lot of stuff to tell you, but we're here. We're ready for our guest conversation. American fuckers. Now, again, don't worry. This convo isn't going to bombard you with scary statistics and doomsday-esque stories. You've got the mainstream media and Facebook memes for that, right? So it's not going to be a bunch of anxiety. You're going to instead get the antidote for that. Some of the tools, reassurance, and knowledge that you desperately need to manage your anxiety, your depression, and your general COVID-19 mental funk. All right, here is Kate Laurie. On the line, we have Kate Laurie. And so American fuckers, if you don't know how we produce this podcast, usually there's lots of planning involved. Uh, you know, there are episodes that we record weeks in advance. However, some shit's going down. Uh, you probably all know you've heard about it. The coronavirus. And specifically, I had started noticing today on my social media and within my own body and my own brain that we are moving from, hey, what's this coronavirus? What's the death toll? What's the this? How? Oh, where do I get toilet paper? To starting to feel anxious, depressed, or like PTSD, you know, 
triggers are being tripped. Uh, people, you know, with OCD are having a hard time. People with chronic illness that are afraid that they're immunocompromised and something's going to happen. We have all these anxieties. So this is where we are right now. We are a mental health mess. So this morning I sent a message to Kate Lurie because if anybody, if anybody <laughs> can help us figure this out so we don't lose our damn minds, it's you. So hello and uh, thank you. Hello and thank you for having me on. I'm always um, honored to be on your show. I, I love American Sex. It's one of the best podcasts out there. Oh, thank, thank you. you. Thank you. <laughs> um, so yeah, you know, I have just been seeing a lot of people freaking out and, you know, not to be like, yeah, you're freaking out because I'm freaking out too. I watched Stephen Colbert's monologue last night and Ken, you were watching it with me. Yeah, it was, it was terrifying. There was no audience. <laughs> there was, there no, was audience, no audience. Yeah. He was a little drunk. Like it was supposed, I think they were recording it. They thought they were going into it as a rehearsal and they're like, oh, maybe we're just taping this and this is the show. It's like our amateur podcast. Uh And it was just really, it felt really surreal and weird and like some shit is going down. So where the hell do we start with trying to calm our asses down and, and make sense of this and deal with it? Well, I, I think we have to realize that it has to start with our body. You know, um, mm-hmm. basically, a lot of us might be able, might be trying to talk our way out of it, like using cognitive behavioral therapy with ourselves, like reality checks or or whatever. But at the end of the day, everything starts with our body. So if our body is grounded, then our thoughts are more reasonable and our emotions are more manageable. So any kind of grounding techniques we can do in our body will also help our thoughts and our emotions. It starts with our body. Any of the books on trauma are called things like The Body Keeps the Score, which is a great book by Bessel van der Kolk, you know, or, you know, The Body Bears the Burden. All the top internationally known trauma researchers will say that trauma or PTSD, all of this stuff starts with the body, you know. So that's that's where we need to start. And there's all kinds of different ways to ground our body. So a lot of people, and I'm just sort of playing devil's advocate here, when people are starting to say, I'm, I'm really upset about this. And uh, there's often a response of, well, do you know how many people die a year in car accidents or have heart attacks? Why is this one thing so traumatic to you? How would you respond to that? Well, you know, I I think there's a lot of people that have compromised immune systems. There's a lot of people that are elderly. Or, you know, there's people that um, have loved ones that fall under those two camps. I think that's part of it. And also, you know, we, most of us as have done our research know that eventually the hospitals are going to get flooded. So even, you know, for some of us that are more healthy, when we, if we need, needed a hospital bed, it may not be there for us. You know, this is, I mean, the reality is this is going to get you know, pretty bad. They're basically saying either I'm hearing different stats, like half of Americans are going to fall ill or, you know, sometimes the stats are even worse than that. So, you know, I I think one reason people are freaking out that have done their research is because they do understand that our hospitals are going to get flooded and there might not be a bed for them. So there's some real things to be scared about. And, you know, I think most people that have done their research also know that, um, you know, the symptoms are are worse than a flu. So, you know, um, and, and I think a lot of people also 
are being effective and affected in terms of their income. I mean, this is the great equalizer, right? Where like the very wealthy are losing millions, billions of dollars and the very poor, um, you know, a lot of times their income is getting completely wiped out so that they fear for even paying for their rent or buying their groceries or feeding their children. So this is impacting us economically in this really profound way. I really wish you could be an advisor to the president after just hearing his speech. (laughs) He basically gave corporate welfare to, you know, all the different uh, like airlines, gas companies, but he's not worried about people's mental health nor about their financial health. He, he offered to give, what was it? A tax break, a, a tax deferment or tax break on the interest on student loans. No student is going to care about anything like that. And that's not going to pay my rent right. this month or get me groceries. Those, I mean, yeah. that's that's what the majority of people I know are. The, they're both scared about health and money. It's not just health. Yeah. You right. know, I, I've been noticing that people, especially in sex Uh, positive and sex adjacent communities are being affected and we're being affected in different ways than the general public. Like we all still have the same general public anxieties. Like, will I be okay? Will my relatives be okay? Um, And, you know, in the sex ed community specifically, I'm seeing like people like Ken and I, who, who, you know, we are part of the gig economy and we're self-employed, you know, we're worried that we're not going to make money. Um, people who are sex workers, especially in-person sex workers that meet with clients, things are really bad. Right. Um, people even who are non-monogamous or kinky, that they get their socialization and much of their identity and their happiness in life by going to events and orgies and, and dungeon parties and things like that. And so in our communities, those are things that are really weighing on us on top of all the other things we're reading in the headlines. But I don't hear a lot of people talking about it. And I think we're all really struggling collectively and then in our own ways, depending on what subgroup we belong to. So where do we want to start there? Yeah, I mean, just last night, I I just put in COVID-19 and the word sex, and I only pulled up one article by Vox that somewhat tackled it in in a very gingerly kind of careful way. Um, there isn't a whole lot out there yet. I think there will be. Um, but yeah, let's let's think about where we want to start. I mean, obviously, anybody that has a career that's touch oriented, and that could be, um, you know, sex workers, a pro dom, an escort, it could also be a personal trainer, a yoga instructor, um, you know, there's all kinds of different careers, a, a house cleaner that goes into people's places and touches everything. You know, there's a lot of careers that are, are you know, everybody's dropping out and, and not hiring these people. And it's terrifying for them, for sure. So we could start there if you want. Sure. Yeah. Let's talk about, you know, let's say we have a lot of listeners that are pro doms or escorts or whatnot. So let's say, that's your job. And I, I had read some articles just th- th- I think there was there was a Vox article. And I think there was one more somewhere. I think it was somebody wrote a medium article, mm-hmm. um, basically saying that they were an escort, and they make you know X amount of money a month. And last month, they started noticing like a couple of big clients canceled. And they were like, mm, little concerned. And now they're fucked and freaked out. Yeah. So what do those people do to deal with 
you know, the, the mental health fallout and the anxiety from that. Yeah, well, first off, I, I just want to say, when I found out you guys wanted to bring me on, I did talk to two sex workers, um, very different sex workers. Um, because I, I, you know, as you guys know, so often politicians, etc, speak for sex workers without ever talking to a sex worker. So I, I don't want to ever be another one of those assholes that does that as a professional. Mm-hmm. So and I mean, thank you. We thank appreciate you for that. that. And yeah, that's why we chose you. <laughs> so so I did make a point to talk to a couple of people earlier today. And they had very different different responses. One is a, a tantrika. So, you know, she used to do more, um, you know, sometimes she would do penetrative sex, but that was before she got married and all that. And um, so now she doesn't do any kind of penetrative work. And, you know, she just does, she does bondage and she does massage therapy and all of that. Now for her, she said, you know how everybody's doing a run on toilet paper? She joked and said, I think I'm the toilet paper of sex, sex workers because she is just getting, it's like a mad rush for her. She's getting way more really? business. Yeah. It's, <gasps> it's, it's very much the opposite of most sex workers where she feels that because she is just involved in like massage, but nothing penetrative, people are like thinking she's a go, go to. And also they're making the, the last mad dash before we get, you know, before we have to isolate isolate ourselves in a grander way they're all coming in in droves before that happens is what she thinks another thing that i would say is that on her website she does a blog and and she said she said on her website like all the things that she does and she expects them to do like she's like i wipe everything down you know i wash my hands i'm you know she went through this whole thing of what she does and then she said and what she does with her equipment and then she talked about what she expects them to do as soon as you come in you know, I want you to take off your shoes, wash your face, wash your hands, strip down, blah, blah, blah. And so she created a sense of safety on her website so that a potential client could see that and go, oh, okay, she's really thought this out. I think that's helping her as well. Um, I talked to another gal. Now she is, both of these gals um, make a good bit of money. So I didn't talk to somebody who's, who's, you know, like um, really struggling So I will admit that the other gal that I talked to is a high end escort. And what she said is that her calls have completely stopped except for a few regulars that know her. So the people that are staying on board are folks that know and trust her, but everybody else is dropping off. And she said on her Twitter feed, talking to other escorts and and sex workers, like they are getting no calls and it's just completely stopped. So, um, you know, in terms of, what they can do in terms of best practices, I think it's important for them to to think about some of the things that the Tantrika thought of, like, what are your best practices in, in terms of, you know, keeping your equipment and your stuff clean? And also, you know, what can your clients do to keep clean, you know, and, and wash their hands and all that? I think that helps and create some safety and may bring in more clients if they do something to, you know, similar on their websites. Right. Um, you know, uh, I think, if you, you know, for extra support, you can reach out to organizations like the Scarlet Alliance or Desire Alliance or, or SWOP, the SWOP groups, and they're going to have a lot of different ways to um, reach out. They probably have some support groups that you could connect with. Um, if you are um, just freaking out and not knowing what to do, I think that's a good way to go. Um, 
And if you are panicked, um, I think one thing, like if you look at the down dog app, they are offering, like you can join any of their apps and they're free through April 1st. Oh, so you can, that's cool. Yeah. So you can do yoga, which is a great way. You know how I I led this whole thing saying that you need to ground your body. So one of the best things you can do is do yoga and you can do it from home. So you don't, you're not at risk. So all of their apps are free through four one through April 1st. So that's, you know, down dog yoga for, for beginners, hit bar, seven minute workout. Um, all of those are free through, um, April 1st. And then also there's, there's folks like, um, for instance, Jesse Gross in, in LA. He has a, a website called breathworkhealings.com and he's doing online breathworks. So you can stay at home and do a breathwork meditation again. Oh, that's great. Hyper oxygenation of the body is a great way to ground your body. And, you know, so any kind of breathwork meditations online are a great way to calm your body. It's interesting. I have a, uh, my very good cousin, Tim, uh, who's like my best friend in the universe and my relative just graduated from yoga teacher school right now, like last weekend. And they had to adjust a lot of what they were teaching in the beginning. And he was an old, uh, paramedic and firefighter before he did this and retired and then started doing yoga. And they're teaching them now to do corrections without physical touch which I think is really interesting because if you've ever done yoga before, that physical touch is something that's, it seems to go hand in hand with it. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, a lot of yoga instructors are becoming more aware of, um, you know, PTSD, like in LA, if you Google trauma informed yoga, you will get a bazillion hits now here in Los Angeles. Really? Oh, that's great. <gasps> yeah. So, that's cool. So there's yoga instructors offering specifically trauma-informed yoga. So, you know, um, certain positions where you're all opened up, that's very difficult for a female trauma survivor. But let's face it, there's also male trauma survivors, you know, sexual abuse. Um, and so you can access that. Now, whether any of those are doing any online uh, yoga, I'm not sure about that, but that's a Google search away, you know. That's cool. That's very cool. So I want to kind of back up to what's going on here within us, because you were talking about how, you know, we need to ground to the body, you know, in our body first to really kind of get our, I don't know, bearings back. Can you talk a little bit about like, when we're all being collectively traumatized by COVID-19, what exactly is happening in our body? You know, what's what's happening to our parasympathetic nervous system? What's going on that's making us freak out within our bodies? Right. So so basically, if you go back in history, um, the the humans that survived were the anxious humans. So the, you know, there was a time where we had to worry about the... the I'm a survivor. <laughs> I will survive anything. Yes. So there was a time that we had to worry about the tiger eating our face or whatever, you know, right. but, you know, this day and age, usually not right now with the COVID-19, but usually we're relatively safe in our home or whatever, but we still come from that backstory of, of, of humans that survived because they were anxious. So our default wiring is to scan for danger. And if we want to calm our body, we have to develop a practice that's the opposite, like scanning for gratitude, scanning for gratitude throughout the day, scanning for gratitude in our partner. 
that's an, this is tangential, but because we are of that wiring, we tend to, in love relationships, scan for what's wrong with our partner. This is part of the whole thing rather than what's right. Now I'm being a little tangential, but so this is our default wiring that, you know, like if you listen to the book Wired for Love by Stan Tatkin, he talks about these things. So, um, in our body, we have the parasympathetic and the sympathetic nervous system. The parasympathetic is where we go when we do deep breathing. It's where we are when we do yoga, you know, all those things. The sympathetic nervous system is fight, flight, freeze, right? And so when something like this happens on some level, we're going into our sympathetic nervous system and our body is responding as if we're about to be eaten by the tiger, even though maybe we don't have COVID-19 and we're in our apartment with the door locked, you know, but we're, our body is responding like we need to either run or fight or freeze. Or buy all the toilet paper. Is that why? <laughs> yeah, yeah. With the toilet paper, it's like it, it, it feels like we're out of control. And so we want to take our uh, control back in some way, you know? And so. Okay. Is that the fawning response? <laughs> oh, <laughs> the fawning response. That's a whole conversation that, that yeah. I can talk about. <laughs> you know, the, the whole toilet paper, and maybe there's different reasons for that. One, it's, you know, it's a bodily function. So it's like, oh, I'm going to take care of myself, you know, with this thing that takes care of my bodily functions because I feel like I'm about to lose my shit, you know, or, you know, or maybe it's because we're preparing for, um, you know, being quarantined and, and we think, okay, we need to stock up or we're just thinking that we're going to do, um, social distancing. So I'm going to stay in my apartment a lot. So I'm just going to load up on paper on, on toilet paper. So I don't have to go to the grocery store for two weeks. There's, you know, varying levels where some of it is more logical than others, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I know I, I feel bought- like toilet paper has been a sca- become like a scapegoat for all of our fears. It has, it was and ter- it's like our security blanket for some random reason that doesn't make sense. But it makes everyone feel good. Like, pass the Charmin. Squeeze it up. Yeah. Like, I don't get it. You know what? <laughs> buy, buy, buy what you need. Don't buy in excess. I actually saw yeah. two old ladies yesterday fist fighting over toilet paper at the dollar store. Oh, no. I've never seen anything like that but in my life. But then they created a diversion so you could sneak over. Over and buy up all the pedialyte. That's true. So, I did buy know, up all the. Well, I didn't know. Don't I, throw I, stones. Well, I, I want to correct you there, ma'am. I want to correct you. I did not buy up all the pedialyte. I got ten bottles and left fifty. Okay. Because I am conscientious <laughs> of others' need of pedialyte. In fact, I educated many of the people there about what's going on. Now, speaking of which, we are all kind of public health geeks, right? And we're also polyamorous in some ways. I am very concerned. With like going beyond an, uh, like infection control in a polyamorous situation. So right. how should we think or how should we approach that situation? I, I totally want to address that. But let, let's just go back to the little old ladies for a moment and just say, you know, it's like we, we are having a little bit. Uh, we need to laugh during this time, right? We can't. Um, so let's talk about that for a second. I want to say two sure. things about that. One, when we are going through stress, it it you know, whether we're grieving something or we're going through something like COVID-19, like staying in that stress response is bad for us. We may think I need to stay in this place because I need to be hyper alert and I need to learn all the things and I need to read all the most intense things. So I'll be prepared. But what you're doing is you are pumping so much cortisol, the stress hormone through your body 
and you're just dysregulating your body so much. Your body is not designed to stay in that state for very long. So you need to purposely move between that place so you can be prepared and pendulate over into something that makes you laugh or calms your body, some kind of distraction and pendulate between those two places so you can optimize how your body is functioning. Mm. Does that make sense? So yeah. that makes a lot of sense. Right. And so, so when we laugh at, at the grannies or whatever, that's our, that's our natural inclination to pendulate over into something that regulates us. Oh, so that's why like when I'm in the most morbid situation, like a family member's died and everything's horrible, like suddenly somebody makes the most morbid joke and everyone starts laughing to tears. And it's right. like in any other situation, I'd be like, what is wrong with me that I said that? But it's the comedic relief that you need right at the you right time. You know what? Time. That's what puts the fun in funeral. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, honestly, back when I work in clinics, before I went in private practice and I was running groups of like 12 people, when it got the heaviest, when it got the darkest, I knew somebody was going to crack a joke in a second. It, it would yeah. always happen. People naturally have, have that inclination of self-care to, to make a joke when it gets the darkest. And it, is, it is part of how we cope. And, and it's good. You know? Thinking of it as self-care is like, oh, I never thought about it that way. That's kind of Yeah, that makes sense. It makes my morbid jokes all that much more better. Yeah, yeah. So, Kate, what do you think about polyamory and infection control in the age of coronavirus? Because me personally, I'm kind of concerned with actually having multiple partners for the first time in a long time, just from a, you know, you know, a virus perspective. What do you think about that? Yeah, so, so let's, yeah, let's just think out loud about this because obviously all, the three of us are trying to figure this out right now as well. You know, this is new mm -hmm. for everybody. So let's just think out loud about this. So, you know, there's going to be some, everybody has to decide their own risk tolerance. Um, so there's going to be some folks that are non-monogamous, uh, that decide that while they go through this, they're going to be monogamous in practice with their primary, if they have a primary or nesting partner. You know, that's a valid decision. Um, there's going to be people that are, you know, a, a step away from that where they, you know, maybe they have several partners, but they decide to pare it down to like a couple of partners um, and, and kind of reduce their risk that way. And even those two partners, they, they ask them, they might want to ask. They may have partners that they have never asked, you know, so what do you got going on? Because I need to assess my risk, you know? So you may have a, a, a partner mm -hmm. that you've never, you, you don't quite know who all they're having sex with besides you, you know? And you might want to say, right. um, given the circumstances, I need to know. If you're just sleeping with me and your husband and your wife, that's one thing. But if, you, if you've got five partners and you're going to group sex situations, that's too much risk for me. I need mm -hmm. to pare things down. So we, you might need to ask your partners more questions than you have asked in the past so that you can have an accurate risk assessment, right? Right. You know? That's a really good idea. Yeah, And, and it's, it's, it's so scary because like, with STIs, you know, and I think a lot of us in, in the non-monogamous communities have become comfortable talking about STIs, not everyone. Um, but, you know, uh, with me, it's like, okay, there's a potential partner, you know, when was the last time you were tested? And, and usually a lot of the partners that I play with are like, here, let me pull it up on my phone. Here's my test results. And it's like, okay, cool. We know definitively, well, not definitively, but good chance, like, 
all right, I, I feel comfortable now. Like I know what's going on. I know when you were tested. I know what you're telling me if you were with another partner after your test. We're cool. But like with this virus, it's like we're all walking around asymptomatic for I don't know how long. One scientist said three months. One scientist said two weeks. One scientist said five days. Like we don't know anything about this virus. And there's nothing that we can get from someone because even I'm hearing the tests are coming back as like false negatives. You know, there's nothing we can right. get from someone where they can go, oh, look here, see this paper from my doctor. I'm I, I don't have the virus. Right. So how do we mentally deal with like never knowing and never feeling safe? Well, I think, you know, right now you're you're recording this podcast right when the shit hit the fan, you know, and and what what we may this what we may think right now may be very different than what we would say even next week and certainly two months from now. You know? And for the listeners' sake, if they're like, when was this recorded? It is Friday the 13th of March right now. So it's like all the information that we're working with is Friday the 13th information. That sounds ominous, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. March 13th. Yeah. So mm -hmm. um, yeah. So so given that, I mean, I, I think, um, you know, uh, yeah. I mean, what I heard was you, you could be asymptomatic for 24 days, you know? That's yeah. what I heard. So, you know, yeah. it's like, yeah, you, you don't, somebody can seem healthy and have it. So you have to, and you have to think about your grandma and your friend that is, you know, compromised. And even if you're healthy, you may be 20 and super fit and you hardly ever get sick, but you could be a carrier. You could get it and be a carrier and give it to other people. So you have to make the, an ethical decision, not necessarily for yourself, because you may be healthy, you know, super healthy. You have to think about how you might have it and give it to other people if you're not careful. So, yeah. you know, yeah. and um, it, it's it's way better to pare down your sex life right now until thing until we get a handle on this. So, you know, everybody has to make their own risk decision and ethical decision, but I would encourage people to pair way down, you know, or take a break from a, a, a couple of lovers, you know, or, or whatever. And or, or go video. Right. Actually, this, uh, we do a, a live stream every Wednesday night on a service called Get Vocal and it's free. And this coming Wednesday, we're going to be talking about virtual ways that you can play with your partner, whether you do BDSM, there's going to be a lot of BDSM stuff, but also stuff for people who are more on the vanilla side of the spectrum. And I'm telling you, American fuckers are listening along. If you're like, okay, so you're going to tell me how to Skype? No, there are so many tools and tips and tricks and things that you can use Absolutely. to have long distance, like germ-free fun. That's what I'm all about right now. It's coronavirus so, sex. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Um, no, I think that's yeah. a, a great idea. You know, it's like, uh, you know, this is a time I mean, there's going to be there's going to be scary stuff that happens, but there's going to be a lot of silver linings like we may right. discover that we're way more creative than we ever thought we were, because we're mm -hmm. forced to get online. And we're, we're forced, you know, like it pushes us outside of our normal boundaries to get more creative with sexting and get more creative with online stuff and, and maybe uh, you know, if you're doing Skype or FaceTime, you know, sex sessions, you know, thinking about the visual, right? Since you can't touch them, what is the visual that's erotic and sexy? You know, what can you put on or what kind of accoutrements can you bring into a Skype or FaceTime session, you know, a FaceTime session that would be titillating? What kind exactly. of fantasy can you create? 
you know, like all of these things that require us to get in touch with our creative self um, could be potentially really fun. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And yeah, and you can bareback it every time. <laughs> exactly, exactly, <laughs> right? Um, Maximum the, fun. You said something that was interesting because you're like, maybe this might inspire us to be more creative than we ever would have thought to be. And one of my Facebook friends said something that... I don't know. You know how somebody hit says something and it just hits you in this profound way? Like, oh my God, that's a quote. I need to get tattooed on my body now because it's just like making my mind explode. And they said, they posed a question, will social distancing bring us closer together as a community? And I was like, whoa. Yeah. I don't know. I just had like a mind blow moment right there. I'm already seeing I mean, it. Like, you know, when you're on the elevator, or you're at the grocery store, like everybody is way more smile. Like that's my experience. So people are just starting to talk to you, even though they're, they're a stranger because we're pulled together by this common bond, which is the struggle of getting through this. Yeah. And then I think to myself too, you know, we're pulled together by this, this common bond, but it's, who knows what's going to happen? You know what I mean? My personal thing is like the whole rest of this year, at least, is going to be like wilder than we would have ever dreamed. It's going to be fucked up. That's what I think. Yeah. You know, but I'm, I'm not a professional. Maybe it's not. Maybe I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong. And but it's like this is going to leave a mark on us as a society. I remember talking to my grandparents who lived through the Depression and different you know, generations. I that lived collect- through the coronavirus of 2020. <laughs> Yeah. No, but I wonder what kind of mark this is, like how it's going to change our society. You know, it, it may change us sexually. Will it change the way we work? Will we stop being such a production and, you know, accomplishment-oriented society where we're working all the time and we're sleeping on the couch at the office because we don't have enough time to go home and change our clothes because we're working so hard? Maybe, you know, we'll all learn to work at home. You know, that I don't know what's going to happen. I'm mean, the, the, like, history geek in me and, like, the sociology geek in me is like, huh, I wish I could fast forward 30 years and see how this, like, screwed us all up or made us better both. I, I'm not sure. Yeah, well, you know, I I think, you know, if you go back in time to the pagans and the tribes and the American Indians, like, a lot of them had it right. Like, you know, the, the, if we had, instead of enslaving them, killing them off, and shutting them up and all that, if we instead said, you know, we know a few things, and I'm talking about white people right now. <laughs> and, you know, mm-hmm. we know a few mm-hmm. things, and maybe you guys know a few things. Maybe we should share knowledge rather than killing them, you know, creating genocides and, you know, right. enslaving them. If we had talked to them, they would have talked to us about harmony with nature and connection with na- nature and the importance of being connected in your body, connected to each other and connected to the environment. And if we had yeah. learned that from the get go, then we would be we would be existing in heaven and earth, you know, but instead, we did what we did. And now we are experiencing what we're experiencing now. Like if you listen to the experts, yeah. they'll say, how this happened is that we keep on, you know, going deeper and deeper into Amazon forests and re- and revealing animals that we that have certain diseases that we are not immune to and then it's mm-hmm. spreading or they're saying like the wet markets in uh china that have all these animals in them like all kind peacocks and ferrets and foxes all 
lined up, some of them dead, some of them not. And animal, you know, humans are in that. And, and that's the, the main way that some of these pandemics can get started. Yeah, you know, if we had had if humans stop fucking with shit, I know. Well, you if know, we as a had... biologist, one of the basic one of the basic things they teach us as a biologist is that the Earth as an ecosystem abhors uh, like too too much extremes, and it will correct itself in some way. Right. And oh. there's actually some science and math behind why you know that supports what you're saying. You yeah. Know, about spirituality and things with native religions and aboriginals. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, mm. it, you know, that might be something that we learn from this is, is to start mm-hmm. respecting mother earth. Yeah. That, yeah. that would be nice. You know, <laughs> yeah, it definitely would. Talking about, um, you know, generational trauma and, and collective societal trauma. One thing that I'm seeing amongst my older or actually my age and slightly older male friends who are part of the gay community this is bringing up a lot of trauma around living through the aids crisis yeah and a lot of people are struggling and really having a hard time with it can you dive into that a little bit and and what um people experiencing that that rawness and the reliving of that time in the 80s can do you know are there other things besides getting into our body like what what do you advise for those people so basically what you're describing is they're getting triggered you know so you know trigger the word trigger is like in the masses but when a therapist uses it, it it's and i'll give you an example say um sarah is at gelson's and she's in line and it's the middle of the day it's a beautiful day and she's in line to get her groceries And all of a sudden she starts having a panic attack and she's like, am I insane? What the hell is wrong with me? Why Mm -hmm. am I having a panic attack in this safe environment? But what she doesn't realize is the guy in front of her is wearing Old Spice and the guy who mugged her five years ago was wearing Old Spice and the smell of it is lighting up her nervous system and creating a trigger um, where her whole body is responding as if she was being mugged as she was five years ago. Uh, so, yeah. so for the gay community, there's enough factors that are similar to the AIDS epidemic where they might have let, you know, lost some of their dear friends that their trauma network is lighting up in their body and, you know, causing them to be way more anxious than the normal person that's anxious. Like right. they, they might be having panic attacks or night terrors or all kinds of things because they're, that trauma network is getting lit up. So it actually does go back to the body again. Okay, okay. You know? So, if you haven't heard, there's a good chance you may be cooped up in the house for just a wee little bit. You know, you went out, you stocked up on canned goods, hand sanitizer, and lordy, way too much toilet paper. But did you remember the lube? You're really going to need it now. You know that lube is the key to maximizing pleasure, whether you're alone or quarantined with a partner. You also want to make sure that what you have on hand is made from the highest quality, body-safe ingredients. And you know that nothing beats Uber Lube. Uber Lube is great for all kinds of play, be it vaginal, oral, anal, or long distance because, you know, you're quarantined in your house by yourself. But people can also use it in their hair to tame frizz, for that chub rub you get between your thighs, for massage, and even more. Hey, is there really any better time for having multiple use products in the house? Eh? Uber Lube is for everyone, too. 
Thousands of doctors recommend Uberlube as their go-to solution for patients experiencing dryness. Uberlube's simple ingredient list makes it widely used by people with sensitivities to other lubricants. And I love that Uberlube's measured pumps allow you to dispense the perfect amount of product every time because you know you're going to have to ration that lube, right? <laughs> well, right now, Uber Lube is offering American Sex Podcast listeners a very special offer. 10% off and free shipping when you use my code SUNNY, S-U-N-N-Y, at uberlube.com. That's 10% off plus free shipping. Just use the code SUNNY at uberlube.com. It is currently March of the year 2020, and things are just a little weird. It seems like the entire world is on the verge of lockdown. In other words, you're stressed the hell out and you have a lot of time on your hands. You desperately need a distraction and a whole lot of self-care. Well, lucky for you, Dipsy can help you focus on something more pleasurable. Dipsy is an audio app full of short, sexy stories and guided sessions that are designed to turn you on and help you get in touch with yourself. The stories are relatable and immersive, so you feel like you are right there. And there's something for everyone, whatever and whoever you're into. They add new content every week, so there's always more to explore. You can find stories about a spontaneous hookup with a hot stranger, maybe getting closer with that sexy yoga instructor, or even stories about getting a little or a lot kinky. Dipsy's guided sessions can help you unlock new confidence or heighten intimacy with your partner. And for listeners of American Sex Podcast, you know I got something good for you, right? Dipsy is offering you a 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash sunny. That's a 30-day free trial by going to D-I-P-S-E-A stories.com slash S-U-N-N-Y. You ready to get it? A whole 30 days of all that pleasure? Dipsystories.com slash sunny. Yeah, and you know, I'm I'm seeing this with all sorts of different people, you know, I have um, a lot of friends that are chronically ill, that have a hard time working in an office environment, and that have tried for years to, you know, say, hey, can I work a, even a couple days a week at home? No, 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 you can't be productive at home. And that's this big fight. And now suddenly the world is working at home. And they're like, you motherfuckers, you know, <laughs> and like, yeah. that's bringing up stuff in them. Like, we, so many of us have stuff that is being unexpectedly brought up from this. So if we have a friend or a lover or a, you know, whatever colleague that's going through some stuff and like, you know, starting to spiral and really having a hard time. What can we do for that friend? Okay. Well, first off, I'd like to go back to mentioning, you know, what you were saying about the gay community. Uh -huh. um, if, if, if you're getting triggered, like one thing that we can do when we're triggered besides grounding our body and deep breathing and, and yoga and all the things that I, I mentioned um, and also you can utilize positive resources for a lot of like, like if you're a war vet, um, for a lot of people that are war vets, um, it, let me just back up and say this, like uh, originally somatic psychotherapists, 
thought, you know, well, if you focus on the part of your body that feels the best or the most neutral, that's a good way to start getting your body and your parasympathetic nervous system. But what they found out is that for the guys that had been in several tours of duty, that their body so much was a war zone that they would actually get more triggered rather than calm down. And so at that point, somatic psychotherapists found out that if you, if you focus on positive resources, like, um, your dog or your cat or your best friend or your spiritual beliefs, or maybe something positive you know about yourself or your favorite vacation spot, if you meditate on that. So, so it's not like going, well, I like the sun. Okay. I'm thinking of the sun. I still feel like shit. That didn't work. It's not, it's not like that. It's literally meditating on it. Like, okay. I'm imagining the beach. I can smell the salt air. I can feel the breeze on my face, like really meditating on it your body will switch back into the parasympathetic nervous system, a place of calm. So, right. So there's that. So using positive resources is a good thing. And then, you know, for um, like, say the, the person that's gay that is getting triggered, you know, because of an AIDS history. Another thing to think about when you're triggered is our body is always craving a corrective experience. So Mm -hmm. like, like if you, if you, when you were a kid, your dad beat you. And so to get out of the house, you married Bob and he beat you. The reason you choose Bob is because energetically he's similar, similar to your dad. And you want to heal from the person who energetically seems similar to the person that injured you. But, Oh yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. But when you start to heal and you realize, and you start, you know, you get some EMDR and you do yoga and you move to California and meet, make some cool friends, that kind of stuff. And you start to heal, you're more able to hook up with a guy similar to like, let's say Scott who had anger issues, but he took some anger management classes and he's able to say to you, okay, I'm pissed at you right now, but I love you. I'm going to go take a run. I'll come back when I'm calm and we'll finish this discussion then. So I when am you- Scott. You just described the entire history of my love life. I was like, what the fuck? I'm totally Scott. That is awesome. Uh, Scott. Oh, my God. Okay, wait, but our, we're about to find out, is Scott bad? And is oh, there shit. someone better than Scott? <laughs> no, but that's a corrective experience. That's way better okay. than Bob and Dad. And so when you go okay. back to the wrapping all the way back to the gay community that, you know, may be triggered by the AIDS crisis, how can they have a corrective experience? How can it be better than what they experienced when AIDS happened? How can uh, they take their power back and create a new experience mm-hmm. in this where they feel like they have more community and they feel like they have more support? Like, how can you create uh, a cultural Scott experience? <laughs> right. Does that okay. make sense? Yeah, that absolutely makes sense. Um, So, you know, when you talk about corrective experiences, me being in the world of BDSM, I know a lot of like, you know, myself and people that I play with and and people that are students, we use BDSM as corrective experiences. So right. And and for a lot of people that helps make them feel better. Right. Um, And sometimes it's very corrective. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So uh, and I know a lot of people are hurting right now because they're like, fuck, I can't, you know, go to the dungeon and beat it all out or or whatever, you know, role play some fucked up shit to make me feel better. Um, So a, you know, another shameless plug, go see our live stream about how you can do this stuff all remotely. Um, (laughs) But B, what are some other ways that we can have or facilitate corrective experiences? 
Huh, with BDSM, I mean, honestly, I think you already kind of said it, like, how can you do it online? Like, you know, how, how can you have some kind of, you might have to switch over to something more psycho, you know, psychological between like, if right. you have a DS dynamic, you might have to switch over to something more psychological that's through text or, or online, you know, mm-hmm. um, in, in terms of sensation play, you know, that gets more tricky and you'd have to be more creative regarding mm-hmm. how can you get your sensation play need needed. You know, you might have a dom that tells you to smack yourself. I don't know. Right. I mean, th- this is more your territory than mine in terms oh, of... Oh, this is why, you know, it's like, okay, when we're, when we're together tonight, I want you to get the binder clips and I want you to get the the clothespins and there's all sorts of... chicken mask. And the chicken mask and meet me on Skype at 8 o'clock. Yeah, there's there's lots of, of really fun things um right so yeah and and i you know as i when i develop this i guess it's eventually going to be a class but i like you know given the information i'm I'm one of those like bleeding hearts it's like everyone needs this information free and it's like no wonder i'm eating ramen noodles you know (laughs) 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 But, but when i was studying up to to make this a class um I was even amazed at some of the creative stuff that I stumbled upon. So um, yeah. there's a lot you can do just in engaging your brain. Right. Um, yeah. And so, it, may, it may push some of the people that, you know, normally instead of identifying as Dom or sub, they say they're top or bottom, like they're just in sensation play without the psychological. I always right. kind of like look at them with my head tilted a little bit because to me, BDSM is so psychological. Yes I, yes. I don't know if you can truly make it just a top bottom situation. And this might be an opportunity to, again, push your boundaries and find out you're more creative than you thought you were. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So when it comes, like I was saying, when it comes to our friends, and they're struggling, you know, first, tooting all of our own horns here, I, I would say tell them to listen to this podcast to kind of, you know, understand what's going on. Because I know that, you know, when I look at things that terrify me or things that invoke fear in anybody, a lot of times the fear comes from not the thing itself, but from not understanding what's happening, you know, not knowing what's going to come next or why you feel this way. Yeah. So I think just, yeah, just listening to what you've said here so far, and we're still going to keep talking. So who knows what you're going to say next, um, (laughs) will be very helpful for people to go like, oh, gosh, what I'm feeling is normal, or oh, my goodness, that was a PTSD trigger. That's why I felt so funky. So, you know, bravo to have your friends listen to this podcast. But what else can they do for their friends who are struggling? Not only, you know, struggling because things are triggering them, but, you know, like, let's say there are people who are on the spectrum that get kind of out of sorts when things aren't routine and things aren't the way they can expect, you know, those sorts of things. What can people do to help their friends and family? Yeah, well, um, you know, I, I think there's all these different wheelhouses to therapy, right? That, that translate into the, you know, what the masses can do as well. So we've, we talked a lot about somatic psychotherapy. And at first I almost poo-pooed cognitive behavioral therapy, but there is a place for cognitive behavioral therapy, which shows up as doing reality checks. So when you have a, a friend that is just really just catastrophizing and it's way beyond, it's way beyond even what the worst case scenario is to like help them have some reality checks is helpful, but that's tricky because, so let me tell you another thing that's almost in contradiction to that. Like when you think about, uh, 
So a lot of the uh, basics of communication skills that um, mm. the top couple therapists do, like if you think about Harville Hendricks, so he wrote a book called Getting the Love You Want, and he talks about basic uh, a basic communication style that's called the Imago Dialogue. And the three parts to that are marrying, empathizing, and validating. So uh, mm. the best way to make someone feel more crazy usually is to invalidate them. And it goes back, and this goes way back to our childhood. You know, we all had probably some moment like where we told mommy, you know, I feel sick. I need to stay home from school. And mommy was like, shut, shut the hell up. Get your clothes on. You're just trying to get out of school, right? That's an invalidation. And it can mm. be worse in our childhood, right? If we are, you know, there's all kinds of situations where we might be invalidated. So, you know, um, when we have a friend that's really freaking out, a lot of times, unless they are just really catastrophizing, it's better to kind of mirror, you know, do the, the steps of Imago Dialogue that they teach to do with couples, which is, you know, mirroring back what you hear, you know, they're like, oh, I'm so scared. You know, I hear that you're really scared. So mirroring mm -hmm. is just simply repeating things back. It makes people feel grounded and heard. So mirroring, the second step is uh, validating. So validating is the intellectual piece. So someone says, you know, I'm just really scared about my grandma because she's, she's 80 and she has a health problem, you know, right. uh, validating is just saying, I intellectually understand why you're scared because she is older and she does have health concerns. It makes logical sense that you're scared given her circumstances. And the mm -hmm. third state, the st third step is empathizing. Empathizing is the emotional piece. So, you know, just repeating the language you hear from the person. I, you know, I'm really scared. I'm nervous. I, I'm, I'm kind of angry that I'm stuck in my house. You know, just mirroring back that, that empath, you know, that, uh, emotional language. I, I hear that you're scared and you're, you know, um, angry and all of that. When you mirror and validate and empathize with someone, they feel seen and heard, heard. And then again, that grounds the body and they don't feel lonely and they feel like, like you're with them. So often we mm. have a tendency to just be like, it's not that bad. You know, you're going to be okay. What we don't realize we're doing is that we're invalidating them. And usually they just go off and go, Oh, I can't talk to them. They don't get it. Right. Or I, I feel more lonely than I did before I talked to them you know, and they get sadder and, and um, go into a, a, a more depressed state than if they had not yeah. talked to you in the first place. So what I'm hearing from this, and I've had friends telling me that people close in their lives are saying, you know, like, okay, we have to go to the store and buy a bunch of groceries. Oh, you're being too paranoid. Why are you buying all that toilet paper? Don't be ridiculous. Or come on, I hear this thing is like the flu and X amount of people die every year from the flu and no one's concerned about that. You're just too paranoid. So you're saying don't fucking do that. Right. Yes. Okay. <laughs> yes. Yes. Okay. Okay. So yeah. what about for those people who are very dependent on touch for comfort that need someone to hold them, to touch them, to stroke their hair? And let's say, let's say we get to the point where all of our shit shut down and we're not leaving our houses, or maybe we have a partner or a roommate that we cuddle with, but you know, they've been exposed and they might be sick. So we don't want to come near them. Is there, are there any solutions for, you know, like the, the touch hungry and touch dependent people going through this alone? 
So that, that kind of wraps back to what you asked about folks that are on the spectrum or have some neurodiversity, you know, and, and, or, or just people that, that like touch. There's a lot of different categories of people that need touch. Um, mm. one thing is weighted blankets. You can get weighted blankets, mm. um, on Google, Etsy, you can, on Etsy, you've got a lot of different makers of weighting, weighted blankets. You can choose the texture, the color, the print, the, the dimensions, everything. And that weighted blanket will calm the nervous system down. Temple Grandin, who has a PhD and she is on the spectrum, uh, when she was a, a kid, um, and she was going, she, you know, one thing when, when someone on the spectrum goes through puberty and their hormones are changing, that's the hardest time for them. And so she mm-hmm. was working on a cattle ranch at the time. And she noticed that the cattles, when they were put in the, the leather little harness before they got branded, would just calm right down. And right. so she went home and she, she made her own little harness <laughs> where she was staying and she would get herself in it and hinge it shut. And she realized that it grounded her whole nervous system. Yeah, you know, and this is the same thing that happens in BDSM. And this is part of the reason that subs go into subspace that, you know, they get in, you know, they're bound, or, you know, sometimes gag, what have you. And just the the bindings are similar to the previous two examples, it just relaxes the body and they can go into subspace, or or just Mm. go into a state of relaxation. You know, so um, anyway, so weighted blankets can wrapping back to weighted blankets, they can have a similar in, you know, effect. A lot of therapists use weighted blankets. That's Um, amazing. Yeah. And another thing you can do is just like take your, you know, cross your arms and just squish on your arms up and down squishing on, you know, Uh like, you know, just like grabbing your arms and like bearing down, squeezing, squeezing, squeezing up and down that can also ground your body, you know? Having, if you, I'm doing it. We're yeah, both, we're doing, both it. doing it. You can't see us right now. And I was like, "Oh, I do feel good. I like this." And the dog is chasing his tail. Oh gosh! <laughs> wish, I wish like you were a fly on the wall, seeing us like grabbing our arms, going, and the dog spinning around in circles. We are ridiculous right now. Anyway, and, keep going. if you live with a partner, your partner uh-huh. can help you out. Your partner can scoot up a chair. And if you don't have fancy shoes on, put weights on your feet. Sometimes, you know, not squishing your feet so it hurts, but putting some weight on your feet or putting weight on your, the top of your thighs, or sometimes putting weight on the top of your shoulders. Like all these things can feel grounding. Um, if you have someone that you live with, um, you know, that, that can help you out in that way. That is Wonderful. Those are great ideas. Thank you. Mm -hmm. So, okay, wrapping up, let's, I'm confident we're going to get through this shit. Okay. Yes. yes. Uh, It's going to be a bumpy few months. I don't know how many a few is, you know, some say a few is three, some say a few is nine. It could be either. I don't know. Um, But when we do get on the other side of this, what are we going to need to heal from this and to move on in a positive fashion? Collectively, what do we need? You know? Yeah. Well, I mean, hopefully one thing that will come from this is, is there'll be more community. I think even if we have social isolation, people are going to be reaching out to each other online. So I think we can continue to build on that community um, in terms of how people, you know, if, if people have a PTSD response, PTSD response from this, cause maybe they've lost some loved ones 
or, um, you know, or they've lost their job or like all these things that may happen to some people, you know, if they have PTSD, there's different ways to heal. If you have money, you can go to a therapist, you know, that, that does EMDR, somatic psychotherapy. Um, and, and even, and, you know, some therapists will slide, especially if they are starting their private practice. If you can't afford that, then, um, uh, yo- yoga is going to help breathwork meditations, breathing practices, my, a practice of mindfulness. Um, you know, like, uh, if you read Thich Nhat Hanh or Pema Chodron, those are two really good ones. Um, uh, let's see. So meditation, mindfulness. Also, I think running, running specifically as an exercise, you know, t- type. Uh, I think there's something about the, the footfalls that kind of in, uh, mirror, uh, the tax scan and EMDR. I think there's, and the, and the deep breathing that goes on with ah. running also floods, floods your body with oxygen. And you, especially if you can run in nature, nature's very healing. So running in nature is a really good way to move things through your body. Uh, again, trauma is in the body. So you can go take a ecstatic dance class and just dance like a banshee. This is way better than in a club where you think you have to look cool. You know, ecstatic dance, you can dance just like just be in your own head and just get your anger out, get your sadness out. And everybody's just in their own head and you don't have to worry about what you look like. So, you know, um, get a massage. Don't worry about crying because I've talked to enough massage therapists to know that people cry in massage uh, sessions all the time. Really? You know, and the massage is helping to move the cortisol out. It's helping to up your happy chemicals in your body. And it's a good way to move the stuff out, you know? Mm. Huh. Well, so I did not know that. I'm going to go get a massage and cry and feel good about it. <laughs> And I actually have a shout out for a couple of resources along these lines that I wanted to mention. Uh, the first one uh, would be Pineapple Support, which is a great organization that helps sex workers with psychological needs. The second is the VA administration, if you or the Veterans Administration, because that would be redundant, the Veterans Administration administration. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so if you are a military veteran, I'm going to give you two resources. One is the VA itself, which is great for psychological care. It is great for physical care. Uh, and they have all sorts of great programs, including yoga, including right. Tai Chi, things along those or lines. Or mobile therapy or where mobile you don't th- yeah, have to like, see someone in person. Right. Yeah. And they, they offer you alternatives. Right. The last thing is uh, the program where I got my service dog, Waffles, is Pups, Prisoners, and Patriots. If you are in need of touch, if you need a psych or a PTS dog, a service dog, these are people that take rescue dogs, give them to prisoners at Lovelock Prison to train. And then after the dog is fully trained, they match them up with a military veteran and they give you the dog free of charge with $20,000 worth of training. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. And, and that's one thing, uh, pets cannot get COVID-19. Your pets are right. safe. And mm-hmm. I would encourage everybody to have a pet, a cat or a dog. Cause there are, they are our angels and yes. they can help us get through, you know, the worst things. When I had cancer last year, man, my three kitties, they got me through it, you know, and, um, mm-hmm. you know, they just so full of love and just, you know, it's like, I, I've had a lot of patients or clients say, I feel embarrassed that to say that my dog or my cat got me through my horrific childhood. And I'm like, don't apologize for that. You know, it's like, you know, our dogs or cats should not, it shouldn't be diminished how powerful they are in our lives. Oh, 
Yeah, they're amazing. And, you know, as things unfold right now, we're recording this on a Friday and I'm going to fast edit it and we're going to get it up on Monday because I know this is something that people really need right now because we're not having this particular conversation. Um, if any, I, I'm seeing resource sheets popping up all the time and different services are giving deep discounts. So um, I know like I have a discount to, I think it's Talkspace, one of the online therapy things. If I see any resources pop up between the time of this recording and the time of release, I will put them in the show notes at americansexpodcast.com because affording mental health care, unfortunately, is a luxury. Um, but in certain situations, there are times where you can find things things that are sliding scale, free, that sort of thing. So if I can help listeners get those, I will do what I can to link them to those resources. Um, thank you. Thank Seriously. you so much, Kate. Yeah. yeah, thank you for having me on. This has been, you know, just talking about it with someone not in a like panicky, oh, did you see what China did? Oh, did you see what Trump said? Oh, did you see the latest numbers? Oh, do you see they diagnosed in nine more people in Clark County? Yeah. You know, like those things are making me like, I'm ch being chased by a bear. You know, that's that's what's doing to me. A lion's gonna eat my face. Yeah, can I um, say something about that? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Um, so, so folks that are anxious, they have uh -huh. a tendency to seek out other people that are super anxious on social media. Um, and that makes mm -hmm. them feel less crazy. Oh, see, they're that anxious too. But then a spiral happens and they're more anxious than before they sought it out. The same thing happens with depressed people, you know, so be careful about that, you know, instead seek out, if you need to know about COVID-19, listen to the experts, you know, like the, the head of, there's an organization, it's C-I-D-R-A-P, uh, uh -huh. They have a website and they actually, the head of it was just on Joe Rogan. Uh, mm -hmm. And that podcast episode is really great. Like listen to experts rather than getting spiraling down with other people that are as anxious or depressed as you are, you know? Oh, thank you. Because us anxious fuckers, like we feed off of each other and create this like snowball of irrational anxiety. So Stop that, anxious people. I'm one of you, so I can say that. Oh, quick, quick, tw <laughs> quick Twitter hack. I just found out, and you probably knew this, Sonny, that you can uh, put in a hashtag that you can have omitted from your Twitter feed. And I know some people that are oh. doing that, like hashtag coronavirus, like, so they right. don't see the coronavirus stuff coming up because oh. they don't want to see it specifically. So that's a nice little vacation while still getting your social media. Oh. Good tip. Cool. Um, go. Thank you. I feel better. I feel kind of like this is a therapy session for me. Maybe this whole thing was a selfish ruse to just get you to make me feel better. It's a Homer gift. This is a Homer <laughs> yes. gift. It feels like a Homer gift. It's a Homer gift. It was for me, but hey, rest of the world, you can enjoy it too. <laughs> well, if I did that, that makes my, my heart feel warm and happy. <laughs> uh, thank you so much. We always love talking to you. Oh, real quick. Um, you're working on a book by the way. Oh, I can't um, wait for this to come please, out. Please, <laughs> like, give us just a little brief glimpse of what this book is, because I want people really excited and looking forward to this when it is released. So what are you working on? 
So I, I'm working on a book that's specifically about non-monogamy. I'm trying to get it out by the end of 2020 or, or soon after around that window. Um, so it's a reflection of my private practice. I have a lot of clients that come in. My clients are super bright and they've already read Opening Up the Ethical Slut and More Than Two before their first session. And they're like, I need something deeper. And so this book doesn't pull any punches. It gives a lot. It brings up the hardest stuff in non-monogamy and it talks about how it can go south and how it can go much better it taught it's very much through uh an attachment theory lens and and it talks about how attachment injuries and our attachment style impacts our non-monogamy if you are a secure attachment style and you have that elusive you know golden childhood non-monogamy is going to be way easier for you if you had a lot of attachment injuries and people betrayed you and lied to you etc you're going to struggle with non-monogamy way more that doesn't mean you can't do it you know just like an artist doesn't stop making art just because that's a harder life even if they might have a mood disorder it's like we're going to do what is authentic to us right so we're right. not, you know, so it's, it's not about not being non-monogamous. It's about knowing what our attachment injuries are and then, you know, figuring out um, relationship agreements and having a compassionate interrelationship that, uh, you know, will, will make non-monogamy as easy as possible for us. Oh, I cannot wait. The world needs this book. So bad. Hurry up. Write it faster. <laughs> I'm trying. I'm trying. I'm doing all the things. <laughs> and so for the listeners who are like, oh, my goodness, this has been freaking awesome. I need more of this person. Where can they find you on social media, etc., so they can get more of you? Let's see. Um, on Instagram, uh, Kink Polly Shrink. Uh, or is it, see, this is off the cuff. It's either poly kink shrink or anyway. Um, let's see. Yeah. And, it'll be in the show notes at yes. americansexpodcast.com. So, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, if you just put in Kate Larie on, so in Instagram, you'll, you'll pull it up, you know, it's, um, and, uh, you know, I'm at katelarie.com. Uh, I'm on Facebook, you know, you can put in Kate Larie and you'll find me. I'm on Twitter under Kate Larie. So, um, yeah, you can find me on, on those three, uh, platforms. Thank you so much. Uh, I'm going to go now and, uh, wash my hands 18 times and go buy a bunch (laughs) of toilet paper. (laughs) (laughs) We will get through this. (laughs) Yeah, we will. We will. We'll look back on this and laugh. So thank you so much. Um, And I will definitely, I want to talk to you again about 8 million things. But for now, it's goodbye. So goodbye. 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 Bye. Thank you. Thanks for listening to American Sex. To keep up with Ken and I, we'll first make sure you watch our TV show, Sex with Sunny Megatron, on Showtime. Then visit SunnyMegatron.com. There you can learn more about us, read our blog, peruse our workshop calendar, or hire us. For what? Well, either for private coaching, or to book us to teach at your event or university, or as sex and relationship writers for your publication. Oh, and don't forget, we're on social media, too. I'm the super social one, so you can find me as Sunny Megatron on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, my YouTube channel, and a bunch of other places. But if you want to get me on Snapchat, you got to look for Sunny underscore Megatron, and you can follow Ken on Twitter at at tag PsyChicken. That's P-S-Y-C-H-I-C-K-E-N. Also, please support us by shopping with the affiliates and sponsors from our breaks. 
And if you contribute to our Patreon, we're going to love you forever. Well, we're going to love you forever anyway, but just go with it. Lastly, if you like this broadcast, tell people about it. Tweet it, Facebook status it, and rate it on iTunes and other platforms. Thanks, friends. We'll see you next week on American Sex.